Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. What a treat that I have for you today in our study of the Word of God, which comes from Psalm 32, and this will be the first part in probably uh, three a, a three uh, message series. Now, I want to begin by asking you a question: How well do you know God, and how much do you want to know Him? Simple questions. How well? And be careful when you answer that question to yourself. How well do you know God? And how much do you want to know Him? How badly do you want to know Him? That is going to be the primary focus of our message today from Psalm 32. But it's not the only focus. There's going to be three areas that we're going to focus on. The second area that we're going to focus on is the man after God's own heart, and that is, of course, David. What we're going to see is how easily David can stray from God. And that's a lesson for every believer in Jesus Christ. Here, God in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, calls him a man after God, my own heart, who will do all my will. And yet David failed miserably. And But what we learn from his life is that God looks at our overall life and doesn't write us off, doesn't uh, penalize us for our faith failures, for our, our sin, for uh, falling short, but only as we humble ourselves and repent of our sin, that is to confess our sin to him, turn away from our sin, and earnestly pursue him. And that is the testimony of the life of David. Then there's a third area that we're going to look at, and we're going to look at the seriousness of sin, sin nature. And we're going to define three words for sin in the Old Testament, but we are also going to define what the Old Testament teaches about forgiveness and atonement, and then we're going to look at what the New Testament says about these things. Therefore, you can see, my friends, that this message is going to be an extremely important message for your life and for the lives of those that you minister to. Listen, whether you're a Christian uh, who is who is part of full-time ministry, that is, you're a preacher or a teacher, 
or even if you're not, we are all called to minister to others. But first and foremost, we must go deeper in knowing what the Word of God says about the nature of God and how to walk with Him. And so are you ready to dig deeply into the Word of God? Before we open Psalm 32, let's pray and ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Would you join me? And we do that right now, Holy Spirit. We can't understand a single thing from your word unless you go to work in our lives. And you do that through our prayers. And so we ask you now, come Holy Spirit, open our eyes and our ears in our hearts to receive all that you have for us. And let the result be that we bear great fruit for the name of the Father and of the Son, both in how we respond personally, but also with a sense of responsibility so that we can more effectively minister to others. And we ask these things in faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Psalm 32. This is such an important psalm that the Apostle Paul refers to it prominently in the book of Romans in chapter 4. We'll get to that in time. Psalm 32 is a psalm of David, and the Hebrew word in the title. It says it is a maskil, a maskil. Well, what is that? Well, that is primarily a teaching psalm. And so David is going to teach biblical principles, but he's also going to teach from his own experience. And he's going to focus on his own experience as his experience lines up with Scripture. Our experience can never contradict Scripture. Never. We can never, ever, ever say, God told me to do this, and it runs counter to Scripture. I don't care how persuasive you are. I don't care how prominent you are. You did not hear from God. The Holy Spirit did not speak to you. Anytime someone claims to have a vision from God, someone claims to have a quote-unquote revelation or an insight, and it runs counter to Scripture, I'm telling you, my friend, that you are deceived. And if you tell people something that runs counter to Scripture, you're a liar, and you are a false teacher, and you better repent before God, or you will be held accountable in a severe way at some point in your life. Now, I wasn't planning on saying that, but I know it needs to be said. Now, let's read Psalm 32, and I'm not sure how long, um, if I'll read the whole thing or not, but let's see what we'll do here. David exclaims with a great sense of joy and relief and gratitude. How blessed is he whose transgression 
is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed, verse 2, is the man to whom Yahweh does not impute or charge iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, why is David exclaiming with joy and relief? Now, he's laid down the nature of God in through his own experience, and he's laying down some extremely important matters of concerning sin and concerning forgiveness and concerning redemption. We're going to go back to these things in a short while, but now his experience, beginning in verse 3, when I kept silent about my sin, that is, David did not repent of his sin. He did not confess his sin to God. He kept silent about it. He hid it, and he lived in the darkness and shame of sin. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. His body wasted away. The idea there in Hebrew is his bones, the substance of his life. Not, well, it affected him bodily, but it affected his sin, affected him emotionally. What was going on? Well, most scholars think that what David is referring to here was his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and in David's effort to cover up that, that um, adulterous relationship, especially when Bathsheba came to him and said, I'm pregnant and you're the father, David had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, who was in the military. He had one of his generals say, put Uriah to the front of the battle where David knew that this man would be killed. And that's what happened. So David, it is hard to understand that David was guilty of murder and adultery, and he could have been stoned to death for either one of those serious sins. And yet, God not only did he forgive him and restore him, but still called him a man after my own heart. Now, some of you don't like that. I got to admit that it's, it's a difficult thing to understand, but maybe a more difficult thing to understand still is the depth of the mercy of God. Because you see, my friends, what we do is we tend to grade sin or rate sin in one another. So some of you who are believers have never been guilty, perhaps, of adultery, or you've never been guilty, perhaps, of murder. But have you hated someone in your heart? Jesus says you're just as guilty 
as someone that has committed murder? Have you ever lusted for a man or a woman in your heart? Maybe you didn't tell anybody about it, but God sees it. Jesus says you are guilty of adultery. And so, no question that some of the most serious sins in Scripture are murder and adultery. There's no question about that. But who among you or can I say that I'm without sin and then sit in judgment of somebody else? Listen, my friends, we have to be very, very careful. On the other hand, I could simply and easily ask you or myself, who among us could compare with David's zeal, with the depth of David's love, with how quickly he was always repenting of his sin and multitudes of sin? You can see that throughout the Psalms. David wrote more than half of the Psalms, and frequently he's repenting of his sin. Who among us could say that we knew or know the word of God as well as David? Who among us can say that our prayer life or the way we worship God is as deep and as strong as David's? So if we're going to start comparing ourselves with David and say, well, I never committed adultery, I never committed murder. Well, on the other hand, you and I who are living under the new covenant, who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, does David's life, his love, his devotion to God, his zeal, his humility, his courage, his faith, who among us can say, I exceed David in all those areas? <laughs> I can't. And I can't imagine any Christian that would be frankly stupid enough to think he or she is more superior to David in a spiritual sense. So let us be very careful in how we analyze the life of another. <laughs> let us be very slow to do something like that. Amen. Now, let's go back to verse 3. He says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Therefore, my friend, it's clear, is it not, that sin has consequences. And we don't even know how deep those consequences go. But when we don't have forgiveness, then sin's effects take place. They can result in depression for us. They can result in anger for us. And so a lot of the, the actions of people that we see or the actions that we see in our, in our own lives oftentimes can be traced back to unconfessed sin. And so not only does unconfessed sin ruin us, but it is going to impact in a very negative way the lives of other people. I am so disgusted 
with all of the insanity that goes on in the United States of America, the murders, the senseless murder of people. And where does that come from? It comes from sin. The theft that goes on, the blatant rebellion on our roads when people refuse to obey the speed limit and are extremely angry towards other drivers, the inability of people to get along in families and in society, the laziness and the distraction of workers, the corruption that goes on in our government, the carelessness of so many of the mayors of our cities and the and the governors of our cities and the congressional representatives and senators, they don't care about people. They don't care about righteousness. All they care about is themselves. Where does all this come from, my friend? It comes from the darkness, the evil of sin, and especially unconfessed sin. And it began with David's misery, but it didn't stop there. He says in verse 4, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. You know, I love this idea of the hand of the Lord in the primarily in the Old Testament, his righteous right hand. He upholds us with his right hand. You see in Psalms and in Isaiah where he protects us with our, his right hand. But when we are living in rebellion against us and against him, then he, his, his favorable right hand is now resisting us. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And David was moving in pride because he wouldn't humble himself and confess his sin. And I love the phrase that I've heard people use, God loves us too much to allow us to do certain things, chiefly to rebel against him. God loved David too much to ignore his sin. And so in a very colorful way, David says, your, your hand day and night, relentless, was heavy upon David. That tells us that David lived under a, a sense of heaviness because of his sin. Not only was his own sin making him miserable, but God, he had, he had very little relationship with God. And instead of God being his friend, God was the one that was resisting David. David was miserable, and that is an indication to every human being on the planet that when we are outside of a relationship with God, when we are not in the center of his will, we are in trouble. Where are you at today? You may be a Christian but you may not be walking with the Lord. You may be a Christian, and you may 
be living in unconfessed sin. You may be someone that is not a Christian and you know it. But you also know that you are a sinner and you need salvation. You need to be forgiven of your sin. Would you like to be forgiven of your sin today and come out of darkness and into the marvelous light of God? Before I go any further, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray because we're addressing two categories now. We're addressing Christians who are not walking in the center of God's will, who are living in unconfessed sin. And we're addressing people that are not born again. You're not saved. You're, you don't have a relationship with God. I want to pray for this second category first. And what I would like you to do, my friend, is I would like you to pray with me to ask the Savior of the world, Jesus, to forgive you of your sin and for you to surrender your life to him. And many of you, the Holy Spirit has prepared you for this very moment of salvation. And so I'd like you to pray with me right now these words. Lord Jesus Christ, pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. And I will live for you and I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus for forgiving me of my sin, for giving me eternal life, and for giving me your life. Now let me pray for you, Father, for every man, woman, young person, and child that prayed that prayer. Would you protect them from the lies of the devil and give them strength and courage to walk with you all the days of their lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, my friends, if you prayed that prayer, let someone know immediately, quickly. If you have access to the internet, go to my website, bradably.com. Brad, B as in boy, R-A-D as in David, Abley, A. B is in boy, L-E-Y dot com. Click on the connect button. You don't have to give me your full name. Just let me know that you prayed with me to receive Jesus. And for the other category, those of you who are believers, but you're living in unconfessed sin, pray with me right now these words. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you love me too much to allow me to get away with sin. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting your finger on this issue. And now in your name, Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you and I confess my sin. 
I bring it into the light. And I ask you, Holy Father, to forgive me and to cleanse me from my unrighteousness. And I thank you that your word tells me in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, that if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so I receive your forgiveness, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's return to our passage in, at the last part of verse 4 in Psalm 32. Well, let me read verse 4 again. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Now, I can tell you, having led a trip to Israel in September back in 1999, the heat is absolutely oppressive, and it it just it it takes away all energy. So I know what David is speaking about. Now, let us also keep in mind that that the Psalms are songs, praise and worship songs, and they're also prayers. And so in this song, to the right of verse 4 is the word selah. Now, a selah is a, is a note to the musicians to, to bring forth an instrumental at this point. So there's the singing stops, and most likely at this point, the, the mood or the tone of the song is somber. It's not upbeat. And, but there's a silence to be able to receive, to, to ponder the seriousness of sin. However, thank God that at this point, something happened to David. And he tells us in verse 5, in the New American Standard Bible, it says, I acknowledged my sin to you. But a better, the Hebrew word means, I knew my sin to you. David opened his heart to Yahweh. And he says, and my iniquity, I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to Yahweh, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now that tells us so much about the nature of God. Let's go back to verse 1, and I'm not going to be able to finish uh, defining all of these extremely important words. I'm just not going to be able to finish in only a, in, in the time that I have. But be ready for next week's broadcast and the week after that, because the defining the words, this is going to help you tremendously, my friends. Now, the Hebrew word translated blessed, ashrei, is in the plural. 
Why is that important? Because it means it's a very intensive word. That is why we know that David is rejoicing at this point, right at the beginning of this psalm. He's praising God. The Hebrew word ashray means to be envied with desire. What? The, you see, the forgiven man or the forgiven woman is to be envied with desire. This word means to be supremely happy or enriched. Why? Because when we are forgiven of sin, we are in right standing with God, and in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. No wonder David begins this powerful psalm with this word. But I see my time has run out, and so be ready for next week, and please pray for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way. Amen.